Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock MBA podcast. Today's episode is another bonus. This is the audio version of a video I made on my second channel, kind of attacking one of the forms of thinking that I personally have encountered a lot over the years in the scene, which is just this like anti-success, anti-money kind of attitude that aside from being really annoying, I think is very toxic and holds a lot of us back from success. So I go into more detail about that in this video. Like if you've ever heard somebody called a sellout, if somebody's ever sort of sneered at you for wanting to achieve something, for wanting to have financial stability, then you're probably gonna like this one if that annoys you as much as it annoys me. Before I get into it, I wanted to mention my social media coaching program that I've been doing for a while. The program, the goal of it is very simple. We are gonna help you grow your audience and then we're gonna help you turn that audience into some sort of business opportunity, some sort of income. So there's two kinds of people that it's a great fit for. Number one is if you're a creator, so like YouTuber, podcaster, TikToker, Twitch streamer, Instagrammer, any of those errs, we'll help you figure out who is your audience, how are you going to reach them, how are you going to grow that audience, what are you going to say to those people, and most importantly, how are you going to turn that into some kind of income? Second kind of person that's a great fit for is anybody that is the founder or CEO or any other kind of public face of a company. If you want to grow your personal brand as a way of growing the company's brand, for example, I've been working with like an attorney, a financial planner, founder of an executive coaching firm, All of them are using basically like the Gary Vaynerchuk model where we're going to grow your personal brand as a marketing vehicle for your company. Because as you've probably seen, like company social media accounts are total crickets, nobody cares. The way to do this, if you are the public face of a company, is to grow your brand from your personal accounts and use that as a way of driving business to your company. So if that sounds like it might be a fit for you, you can check that out at the link in the show notes. And with that out of the way, let's get into the episode. What's up, everybody? I wanted to answer a question that I got on Patreon that touches on something I've thought about a lot over the past, I don't know, 15 or 20 years, but especially recently. Uh, I would love to get your take on this in a video. Why is it socially unacceptable within the hardcore and punk scene to get a good job, have functional relationships, and own a house and other fill-in-the-blank normie things? It is odd to me that so many lyrics relate to self-improvement, yet actually improving your circumstances seems to not be cool in the scene. Do you agree with this assessment? And if so, why do you think that is? Why does the scene generally not support people when they try to make their life better by getting an education and becoming financially stable? I don't see this at all at odds with the hardcore mindset of self-improvement. Well, I couldn't agree more. There's a lot of things to unpack here, but first, let me give you an example of this. As I've talked about before, uh, I used to do this magazine. Uh, It's called Flow, and it came with this print magazine, and it came with a CD and a DVD, and we had labels like Warner Brothers and Atlantic and Epic and Victory and Tooth and Nail and Roadrunner, all that kind of stuff. And then we also did a lot of action sports stuff. For example, on this one, we have like uh, O'Neill, Zoo York, Rusty. And I think we did like 125,000 copies of each of these. So I would say it was a pretty successful thing for an indie magazine. We wrapped it up after I think 12 or 13 issues. And I'll tell you why. It was actually because of the exact thing that he's talking about in this question. The guy who did the business stuff in the magazine, Keith Dinnerstein, if for any reason he happens to be watching, super good salesperson. And you can see here, he got some big mainstream advertisers like Clearasil on the back cover here, Converse. And we were excited. We thought like, wow, 
we finally made it. And I asked him like, Keith, how in the fuck did you get these big companies to advertise in our stupid little magazine? And he said, well, <laughs> here's what I do. I literally call them every day until they tell me to fuck off or they buy an ad, one or the other. And if they tell me to fuck off, then I say, no problem, totally understand. Hopefully we can do business sometime in the future. And then I start calling them again in a couple months. And I'm not saying that's the only way to do sales. It's kind of the brute force method, but it does work. And I really admire his relentlessness. But anyway, so I would talk to him kind of about how the ad sales stuff was going. And I remember, you know, a year or two before this, before we had ClearSale and Converse and stuff like that, uh, I know he would call a lot of these smaller companies. I won't name any of them by name, but some of these smaller like action sports companies in particular, we'd call them up and ask if they wanted to advertise. And they'd be like, you know, I don't know, man, like probably not in our budget, blah, blah, blah. Basically, we got the sense that we weren't big enough for them. And so we thought, oh, awesome. Well, now we've got Converse and Clearasil and ESPN and whoever else in our magazine. Like, finally, these people take us seriously. They're definitely going to buy an ad from us now, right? We call them up and say, hey, check it out. Here's a new issue. Look, we've got all these great new brands on board like Converse and Clearasil and all these other big brands. And instead of being excited about it, they're like, oh, I don't know, man. Like, don't know if we really want to be in there with something corporate like that. And that's when we realized exactly the kind of stuff David is talking about here. And we're just like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, why are we putting our lives into this for not that much money? I made $3,000 an issue from this, which might sound like a lot, but I worked like 70 hours a week on it. So it's terrible money if you look at it on an hourly basis. And I know Keith did the same thing. Instead of being rewarded for success, we're punished for it. After that happened, I think that was kind of the beginning of the end for us. We were both like, yeah, fuck this. <laughs> I did a couple more issues of it before we wrapped it up. Keith ended up going to Wharton, which is like the number one business school in the world, got an MBA there, and he's been working at banks ever since. I remember him telling me like when he was at school in Wharton, they would be talking about their old experiences. You know, the other guys there were mostly had worked in like finance or management consulting for a couple years. He'd be telling them about how like kind of the action sports and music world works. And they're like, so let me get this straight. With these people you're working with before making money is bad. <laughs> so to me, that is a great example of what David is talking about. It's probably my biggest issue with alternative music, subculture, whatever, is that. You see this all the time in the comments for my videos. Like if I get a sponsor like Raid, Shadow Legends, or one of these other mobile games, which pay very well, instead of somebody saying, oh, cool, get that money, like, I'm happy for you, the exact opposite, right? And it's exhausting. And I accept it, you know, that comes to the territory, so I'm not asking anybody to feel sorry for me, but it's really just indicative of what he's talking about. Hi, this is Paul Phelps. And this is Monica Strutt. And we're from the Daily Music Business Podcast. We're joined by a number of other really great hosts in creating daily content with great advice for independent musicians just like you. That's right. We put out episodes daily on all topics from music marketing to branding, advice on signing with a manager and label and anything else you need to up-level the business side of your music career. We've got it covered. Subscribe to the Daily Music Business Podcast today on your favorite podcast catcher. Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. 
So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use HyperFollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Anything other than being a starving, miserable artist is frowned upon. And why is that? Well, I don't know what's going on inside their heads, but I think I can probably speculate. I think there's essentially two kinds of people that when they see someone else become successful, there are two kinds of people. One kind of person says, wow, that's amazing, congratulations, and is happy for that person, or maybe even becomes inspired by that and says, that's pretty cool, what can I learn from that person? and uses someone else's success as fuel for their own success. And then there's another kind of person that's maybe not so happy with where they're at in life, and instead of using other people's success as a springboard for their own, they wanna cut that other person down and bring them back to their level because, well, if I'm gonna be a miserable, unsuccessful piece of shit, then I'm gonna make sure everyone else is a miserable, unsuccessful piece of shit too. More than anything else, it is such conformist thinking. I mean, who am I to say how anybody else should live their life? And if you are happy being a starving artist in a basement, great, good for you. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I want everybody to do whatever makes them happy, provided that it doesn't infringe on anybody else's ability to be happy. But I do think it's interesting that in a scene that is supposedly all about individualism and freedom, refusing to conform, that there's a very rigid definition of success. If you are an angry, miserable musician struggling to eke out a living at the age of 43, like everyone's gonna pat you on the back for that and say how great that is, 
But if you're the same person, if you're 43 years old, but you have two kids and you work for Microsoft and have a house in the suburbs and you go to shows a couple times a year when you have the energy, people are more likely to look down on that person. There's no reason to look down on someone who chooses to be a starving artist their whole life. It's not what I want for myself, but if that's what you want, great, you should do it. On the other hand, there's also no reason for us to look down on people who choose to be a normie. And aside from just being kind of frustrating and annoying, I think this kind of thinking is really problematic and toxic because it actually hurts the people in the community that we supposedly want to support. You can think of all kinds of people who are in these bands back in the 80s or early 90s or something who, you know, we love their music, but a lot of these people now are working kind of shitty, dead-end jobs that they don't enjoy. And you have to wonder how much of that is because they drank the Kool-Aid of saying that you are a sellout or you've compromised or you're doing something wrong if you choose to get an education and buy a house and participate in normie lifestyle. Like the guys in Anvil, for example, if you remember that movie, like that just bums me out. And I'm not judging them. Again, if they're happy, that's great, but they didn't seem very happy in that movie. I think one of the guys worked at a bakery or something. So to me, I guess the bottom line here is, yeah, you're totally right. This is definitely a pattern of thinking in the scene and it sucks. The takeaway to me is everybody should do what makes them happy, again, provided that it doesn't infringe on anybody else. And we should celebrate anybody who has found the thing that makes them happy. And it's not for me to decide what should or shouldn't make you happy and vice versa. The crab mentality and just kind of general judgy thinking in the scene, I think is probably always gonna be there because as I've said many times before, like you don't get into bands called Hate Breed and Death Threat and Terror and Cannibal Corpse because like everything's okay. <laughs> so the people who get into this kind of music, I think come into it with probably some unresolved issues, myself included. That's definitely why I got into this stuff. But don't let that stuff hold you back and don't let anybody who thinks this way hold you back. Like if you are letting somebody else's judgment or definition of success like hold you back from pursuing what makes you happy, that's a mistake. And by the way, you'll never make these people happy no matter what you do because they're miserable and what they will always seek to do is make you miserable too. So you gotta listen to yourself, do what makes you happy. And if other people don't like that, fuck them. It's not your problem. It is not your job to make them happy. And I would also say consider cutting those people out of your life. If there's somebody in your life that you feel like is just constantly dragging you down with negative energy and judgments and this kind of bullshit thinking where every time you're trying to improve yourself, they're trying to drag you down, cut that person out of your life. They are not your fucking friend. That does not sound like a friend to me. All right, well, that does it for this one. David, great question. Thank you for asking. This is a super important topic that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. I'm glad that I'm not the only one who is seeing this. Do you see this kind of thinking in the scene? Has it ever happened to you where you've had somebody kind of look down on you for achieving something that made you happy? Or have you ever been the person trying to drag someone else down? I think we probably all have unfortunately. Hopefully none of us are still doing that. But yeah, let me know what you think in the comments. I will sign off for now, but I will see you next time. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time.
One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one hit thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. <laughs> 